wherever there are shadows, there are people ready to kick at the darkness until it bleeds daylight. This is Bleeding Daylight with your host, Rodney Olson. Welcome. Please connect with us on social media. You'll find links at bleedingdaylight.net, where you'll also find many more Bleeding Daylight episodes. Please also share Bleeding Daylight with others. While today's guest is talking about transformation in the lives of men, he also has great advice for the women who love them. This episode kicks the darkness for everyone. Today's guest believes that one man can make a difference in the world and that God is a God of second chances who wants to do extraordinary things in our otherwise ordinary lives. Tim Brown is the author of the book God and a Man, How God Can Use Any Man to Make a Difference. It's the story of how he learned that any man can be who God made him to be. Tim also publishes a podcast titled God and a Man, and he's the founder of the men's movement Re-Up. I'm pleased to welcome him to Bleeding Daylight today. Tim, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Rodney. It's, a, it's an honor to be on. I appreciate the opportunity very much. Your message to men is that they can live a life of purpose, a life that they were created to live. Now, in many ways, these things should be self-evident. What do you think has gone so wrong in our world that men no longer believe these things? Well, I'm not sure we've got enough time to unpack most of that. I really believe that it it boils down, Rodney, to a pretty simple deal. Most men have bought the lie that they get their identity and their worth as a man from the things they do, the people they know, and the things they accumulate materially. We kind of say it this way at Reup is that most men believe that what they do, what they have, and who they know is who they are, and it defines them. And unfortunately, we live in a world where we're humans make mistakes. And if a man has failed at his job, a marriage, any kind of relationship, financially, whatever it may be, or he's not been able to accumulate the things he thinks he should, comparing himself to other people and so forth, if he's not able to do those things or he's had some failures, and even his successes sometimes make this happen as well because they get caught up in that. And when we believe that's our identity, we don't really step into being who God made us to be because we don't think we can necessarily make a difference. We think because we failed or we're not living in the right neighborhood or we haven't accumulated the same things the guys down the street have, that we're not able to lead and we're not able to really make a difference because we've let the enemy use very much a lie to define who we are. If a man believes that what he does who he knows, and the things he accumulates is who he is, and any of those are kind of out of whack in his life, a lot of those guys will just kind of step into the corner, into the shadows, and say, you guys can play on without me. I'll be over here if you need me. So, And that's caused such a male leadership crisis that we call a mandemic going on in our culture today, and it's affected homes, churches, communities, workplaces, schools, uh, it just has a huge ripple effect. 
as soon as we meet someone, the question is often, oh, what do you do? And as you say, that's that's part of the issue is that it's what we do for a living. And that certainly starts to pinpoint, well, if they do that for a living, this is probably what they're able to accumulate in goods and the sorts of people that they know. So all wrapped up in that seemingly innocent question is this thing that continues to reinforce this for us, doesn't it? Absolutely. The enemy's really not had a an original idea since the beginning because what he does works very well, especially with men. And he uses the opportunity to get men to question who they are so much that it's amazing how simple it is for a man to buy that lie and really just flounder in his everyday existence and, and hopes he gets through the day and can make it through the week and hope nobody is relying too heavily on him because he doesn't think he can meet that expectation. We spend so much of our time trying to be successful at things that don't really matter. And for that reason, we look up when we're older in our life and go, wow, okay, what happened? I've wasted my life and now what do I do? And when it comes down to it, the sorts of things that you're talking about, the sorts of things that REUP does, and in the books that you write, in the podcasts that you publish, it's not just theoretical because you've been in many positions over many years that puts you in touch with men. And so you're able to contrast what is said in the scripture and what you're seeing in front of you. Tell me about some of those instances where you've been in touch with men over many years. My vocation, what I did for many years, centered around selling men's clothing. A lot of that had uh, was not necessarily in a retail store setting. I worked with a company and then I started my own company about 12 years ago that my son and a, another gentleman have kind of taken over now. But I would call on guys directly in their office or their home and deal with them one-on-one and would sell them custom-made clothing, suits, sport coats, shirt, you know, all those types of things. Not that there was a stereotype for this kind of client, but most of these men were successful men because this this type of clothing was not inexpensive. It did require you to have the ability to spend that kind of money on that type of clothing. So I dealt with a lot of successful men, guys that had platforms, influence, professional guys, doctors, attorneys, people that own their own companies. And in most of their communities, they were pretty significant men. And as I would deal with these men, Rodney, I would go in there and meet with them and we'd spend 20 minutes or so dealing with the clothing aspect. And then from there, it just seemed like most of the time the conversations would turn to where these men were sharing really all the stuff in their life. Apparently, I had a sign on my forehead that said, if you've got problems, dump them here. (laughs) I would leave lots of guys' offices an hour later after listening to these guys share all these intimate things about their life and how they were unfulfilled and they didn't have much of a relationship with their spouse and their kids didn't have much to do with them and they didn't have any friends, but they had all the stuff. They'd been successful and most of the young guys in their community would want to be them. As that started to happen... I really started to sense that the Lord was trying to show me something. The more and more that happened, I started to see that there was an identity problem, that these men did not know their identity and that they had 
really just bought that lie that what they did and the people they knew and the things they could accumulate was who they were. So that's what they spent all their time doing was trying to meet that standard. And along the way, they missed out on being somebody that made a difference. I had one particular instant with a client who was in his mid-60s at the time. I was in his office one day and he told me that he was jealous of me. And this guy was very prominent in this community. And as I said, a lot of young guys would want to be him from the outside looking in. And so for him to say that he was jealous of me kind of caught me off guard. And as I talked to him about it, he shared that I had everything that he didn't. I had a great marriage and I had two boys that had tremendous respect for me. And I was involved in their life and I had all these friends and relationships and all this. And he didn't. He started to weep. And then it really turned into more of a extremely emotional weeping to a point that I had to go over and hold him in my arms while he cried. After a couple hours of praying with him and talking with him and just holding him, he finally left. I remember laying in the floor of my office, looking up at the sky and just saying, okay, Lord, I don't know what you're trying to say to me, but whatever it takes for me not to be that guy when I'm 60 something years old, I'm in. And whatever it takes to help as many other men not be that man, I'm in as well. That really kind of started me on this journey of what's missing? What, what, are, what are these men really looking for and searching for? And how do we help them with that? The main thing that came out of that was that we had an identity problem. Men did not know their identity, especially if they were Jesus following men. They had no idea what their true identity in Christ was. That was the number one thing the enemy was using against them and convincing men that one man can't make a difference. And that's so far from the truth when we really unpack it biblically. And it occurs to me that there's a real struggle going on externally and internally, because externally, men are trying to live up to what the world tells them is success. But as they do that, they then are actually trying to live up to the facade of success that they've built. And so there must be this incredible internal conflict of this is how I present to people, but I know inside that's not actually me. Is that what you're finding with men? I think men are really good at wearing a lot of different masks externally to make people think about them a certain way. What I was behind closed doors with these men, what they were sharing with me was the internal part of it. I mean, that's really what that boiled down to, Rodney. That's a great way to describe it. What I was seeing, what the Lord was showing me was the internal part of this. That was really the bigger struggle. So what could we do to address that problem? That's kind of really where REUP came from, this movement that we started and that we're trying to help churches and individual men and young men just, you know, really uh, deal with that on a continual basis and, and get men to really start investing in each other and helping each other learn these identity principles that are so important if we're really ever going to be the men God created us to be. And you're really having to turn around something that is so ingrained in society and, in fact, so ingrained in our psyche that this is the way we should be heading. How did you start to turn that around for others? Obviously, I had that happen to myself first. I was very fortunate that I had a man to disciple me. To this day, I still have no idea why he did it and why he gave me all the time he did. He saw something in me that I didn't see, apparently. 
he poured into me, taught me the word, taught me the truth that I needed to know as a man. The Lord used him. And he showed me the value of men pouring their life into each other. So that's kind of where it started. And then as I was starting to do that with other men, and we started to create some context that men could step into, we didn't know what we were doing. I mean, we were just a bunch of guys who felt like there was more and there was something missing. And we wanted to go on a journey of kind of finding out what that was. So we thought probably the best model to use would be Jesus. We kind of used that model of what he did with 12 guys. And then sometimes he broke them off from 12 to three or four, educated them in the Father, empowered them in the Father, encouraged them in the Father, built relationship with them. So we thought, okay, let's see if we can go about creating something like that and see if men might react. And what we learned was that's exactly what men were looking for. But we just weren't doing as a church. And then men overall weren't creating that context where men could come together in a smaller setting. You know, Dr. Tim Elmore says more intentional time with fewer people has a greater kingdom impact. Again, that's kind of the model Jesus used. And so we thought, well, maybe if we could just start creating something that would give men what we felt like they were looking for. And what I was finding from the men was they needed friends. Most men didn't have any friends. And then we found data that proved that. The George Barner research shows that only 5% of Christian men over the age of 35 say they even have one best friend. I think since COVID, that number probably has gone down. And we were found, finding that because of that, most men didn't have any accountability in their life either. The other thing was we found that men wanted, Christian men wanted to be in God's word, but they didn't really know how to do it in, in a very intentional way that would help teach them what they really needed to learn, not just read something from the from the one-year chronological Bible, which is great, not just read that and move on, but something that really applied to their life that was dealing with some pain in their life, that hot spot, if we could create that setting for that to happen and give them the tools and the resources they needed to individually grow their relationship and then come together with some other men, talk about it, build friendships, have accountability, blow all the dust off and look at what that is, that's discipleship. We found that that's what men really wanted, but unfortunately they weren't finding it in the way that they wanted it. So we just created something we thought they were looking for. Doesn't mean it's the answer every time, but we've had thousands of men react to it. What we've learned is that men don't know this is what they're looking for until they see it. And because they're not seeing a lot of it, they don't know that's what they're looking for. But when they see it, they jump all over it. So that's how we started the journey almost 15 years ago now. And again, it hadn't been rocket science. We just kind of based it off of Jesus's model. And the Lord's done some really cool things. I think one of the keys that you mentioned there is that man who all those years back saw something in you that you didn't even see and came alongside you. I'm wondering how complex that can be when even someone coming alongside us and saying, hey, I see something in you. If we're living that facade that society has taught us to live, do we even believe that? Because we're still saying, well, no, you're seeing the facade, so how can you actually see something in me? How do we actually get men to understand? It's like, no, I see deeper than that. 
I know that you've got faults because we all do, but I still see that there's something in you. I still believe that there's something in you that can change the world around you. Man, that's a great question. I hope I can answer it in a way that makes sense and communicates some hope for men to do that and and to be a part of that. I guess really right where where I like to start is even if we're living that facade, I think one of the things we've really got to help men understand is every man is God's man. Now, that sounds pretty simple, and it sounds just like a blanket statement, but we really think that's got to be the starting point. Using statements like, the man you will someday be, you are now becoming. If the guy's living in in that identity facade, that false identity, when you recognize that every man's God's man, that's where it starts. When I said that that guy saw something in me that I didn't see, I'm not saying it was some spectacular thing that only I had. I just think he saw in me that I could be God's man if I understood I was God's man. But what's interesting is that every man's God's man because they were made in God's image. It's really been amazing to me just the simplicity of just reminding men, getting in their ear as much as you can, hey, you are God's man. You are God's man. And the man that you're someday going to be, you are now becoming. So right now matters. When you hear that statement that the man you're someday going to be, you're now becoming, does that encourage you or does that scare you? Most men will say, well, it scares me because I don't even like who I am right now. The fact that that's who I'm going to become, that scares me even more. So that kind of gets the guy's attention. I want to help convince this guy right here that there's something about him that God can use. I believe it starts with in in his ear all the time. You are God's man. You are God's man. You are God's man. And that the man you're someday going to be, you're now becoming. So now, now let's do something about that because the enemy convinces them and puts in their ear most days. No, you're not God's man. I mean, you can't even, you barely get through the day. You can't even pay your bills. You know, you're not, you're not leading your home or, you know, all these lies. That's another reason the subtitle of my book, where it says how God can use any man to make a difference. I think one of the other problems is, is we have bought the lie that the enemy has sold us. One man can't make a difference anymore. That's so far from the truth. I mean, especially when we go scripturally and look at just ordinary men that God used one individual man to make a huge difference in the lives of so many people. And so we've got to start believing that again. I imagine that there's men listening at the moment thinking, well, that is something that I want in my life, but not everyone that is listening is in the US, so they can't all connect in with REAP in in the way that some can, that there are people listening right now from right around the world. What is the first step that those men need to take if this sort of thing is resonating with them? Well, the good thing is we realized a couple of years ago that if we were really going to be impactful with this, that we had to set it up where any man could access what we're talking about from anywhere. And obviously that takes technology. The Lord dropped in our lap a little over two years ago, a gentleman, uh, one of the smartest human beings I've ever met. And he, he really bought into what the Lord had called us to do. And he said, I want to build you a technology platform that will make this accessible to anybody across the world at any time, help you build a opportunity 
to give these men what they're looking for. We've created a platform called REUP, R-E-U-P, dot, impact, I-M-P-A-C-T, dot, app, A-P-P, REUP, dot, impact, dot, app. And you can go on there individually. Our signature study that we've created for men, which is called Identity, Don't You Know Who You Are, is there. It's a daily format that we've put together for you to get in God's Word, for Him to teach you your identity. But then also, if you want to do it with a group of men, whether it be in person, getting some guys together in your home, at a restaurant, your church, whatever it may be, we call that a fire team of men. And we like it to be about six to eight men. Or if you want to do it virtually and do the same thing. And we've created an entire structure for you to use when you come together each time. It's a weekly structure. We've created all the resources for you to use inside those meetings. And then all the scripture studies that you need to be doing on an individual basis with your team that you come together each week and work through and talk through. So you can do it from anywhere at any time. You can join that platform. It explains to you how to access everything. We'll even communicate with you if you reach out to us and help you in any way we can. And we've just released this. It's hadn't been a year ago now, and we're really starting to get some traction behind it. I'm very aware that there will be women listening at the moment, and they're thinking, I'd love to get the men in my life involved in something like this. Mm. But if we know anything about men, we know that uh, we're not likely to just be cajoled into something. So how do the women listening gently bring their men to an understanding that here is something that I think will be of value for you? Well, again, you you got some great questions for me, Rodney, that, that I don't get a lot. You're correct. I mean, men don't like to be pushed, especially by their spouse in certain areas, especially when it comes to something like this. But one of the places they might start, they can go to our website, reupmen.com, and they can purchase my God in a man book and give it to their husband. And we have seen that book be a tremendous on-ramp to men deciding, hey, you know what? I need to figure out my identity. I need to make sure what happened to this man I just read doesn't happen to me. And I can stop the trajectory of my life and go in a different way. That would probably be, I know that kind of sounds self-promoting, but we've just seen that be so effective with so many men, whether a wife buys it for a guy or a buddy of his reads it and gives a, buys another copy for a guy. We've just seen the Lord really use that as a way to really encourage and cause men to go, okay, I need to go on this journey of pursuing God's heart. It must be incredibly satisfying for you when the men that you're working alongside start to have that mind shift of what success really is all about. Mm -hmm. When they start to get that aha moment and they realize I don't have to keep striving for the things the world tells me I'm striving for. Tell me about that. When the light bulb goes off that you are who God says you are, that you are justified, you're redeemed, you're glorified, you're the, you're holy, you're blameless, you're the righteousness of God himself. You're truly a child of God. He sees you as a completed work in your person because he took care of your problem, which before you met Jesus, your problem wasn't sin. 
It was who you were that was causing you to sin that you got from Adam that you didn't sign up for, but you got it. Every person was in Adam's gene pool when he sinned. And we all inherited that nature, that sinful nature. And we were separated from God. We were a child of wrath, as Ephesians 2, 3 tells us. And understanding then, once we give our life to Christ and we become this completed work in his eyes, and that what we do doesn't change that. In other words, if I had a meter, a person meter, when I gave my life to Christ, my person meter went to 100. It'll never be 101. It'll never be 99. In God's eyes, it's 100. And that was my problem, who I was. And my behavior, as I live out my life, won't change in, in his eyes who I am. Well, you say, well, that sounds like a license to sin, Tim. I can just do whatever I want to. Well, no, because the second part of that statement is what I do if I, once I learn these truths, what I do doesn't change who I am, but who I am automatically impacts what I do when I really know who I am. When that light bulb goes off and guys understand that for the first time in their life, it's amazing. The emotion that comes from that and the number of men that have said, Man, why didn't somebody teach me that 20 years ago when I gave my life to Jesus? And I've been out here working my butt off for him, trying to earn all this that he gave me. And I've, I've been miserable and nobody wants what I got. But when I really understand I'm a child of God and what that really means and that what I do doesn't change that in his eyes, but who I am in him as I continue to go on this journey of pursuing him, it changes my life. I mean, the ripple effect, Every what I do. So then I turn around and I want to invest in some young men and help them learn the same thing, which is called discipleship, which is what the church has been called to do. I mean, the number of wives that'll tell us, man, it's like an alien has invaded my husband's body. I mean, he's become this unbelievable husband. My kids just can't get over the difference in him. And his friends and his people at his workplace are just like, man, what happened to this guy? What's interesting, Rodney, is people ask me, say, well, Tim, this journey you've been on, they've read my book, they see all the health issues I've been through, all the stuff I've been through, different things, dealing with men like I have for all these years. They're like, so, man, tell us some unbelievable revelations and truths that the Lord has taught you. There's bound to just be these, this deep, these deep, deep truths. And I'm like, well, I hate to disappoint you, but really it's just one, and it sounds pretty basic. And it's this, God is who he says he is. What more do we really need to know in a deep manner that he truly is who he says he is? Tim, I'm sure there are people who want to get in touch, who want to get connected with what you're doing. What is the easiest way for people to find you? Both of those URLs I gave you a while ago, thereupmen.com, thereup.impact.com app. Or, man, I'd love to, if you just want to shoot me an email, I'd be honored in in any way I could help. And that's Tim, T-I-M, at reupmen, R-E-U-P-M-E-N.com. I will put links in the show notes at bleedingdaylight.net so that people can find you easily. Tim, thank you so much for sharing some of your journey with us and the opportunities that you're having to shift the idea of success in the minds of men, to reset them to what they were originally designed to be. I really appreciate your time and, and thanks for being on Bleeding Daylight today. 
Rodney, it was an honor. And if we can help any man become God's man and who God made him to be, we'll give it everything we got. Thank you for listening to Bleeding Daylight. Please help us to shine more light into the darkness by sharing this episode with others. For further details and more episodes, please visit bleedingdaylight.net.